Our Old Testament reading for this morning comes to us from Isaiah chapter 2 and is the basis for this morning's message. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading today comes to us from Romans chapter 13. And here the gospel calls on us to rely on God's mercy in Christ, which then motivates us to walk in the light of Christ. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. Be put on the Lord, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand. gospel reading this morning, Jesus teaches that the suddenness of his second coming, along with his promise that faithfulness will be richly rewarded, should move us to watch eagerly for him. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 24th chapter. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day the, your Lord is coming. But know this. But if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. 
Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today, the Old Testament lesson recorded in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Biblical visions in both the Old Testament and the New Testament come to us from the future, longing to shape the days in which we presently live. Let me say that again. Biblical visions like the one you heard from the prophet Isaiah this morning come to us from the future, longing to shape the days in which we presently live. Now let that roll around in your head for a moment. During this Advent season, we will see what Isaiah saw, and we will catch glimpses of the latter days, of the future, of a day unknown to all, Jesus said in our gospel lesson, except the Father, that is the last day when he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead as we confess. The season of Advent requires you to use your imagination to invite and to allow God's Holy Spirit to rush in to open your heart to the reality of God's kingdom work. That's the work of putting the world right that is going on all around you all of the time. And you do it every time you read a book or hear a story that intrigues you or watch a movie or a television show. So put it to work this morning. Use your imagination. It is standard equipment of being human that God equipped us with when he created us. Turn it on this morning for the word of God. For four weeks... Leading up to the celebration of Jesus' birth, Advent takes us first to the very end of this fallen, broken, sinful, yet still precious and full of wonder world that we live in to create a longing in us that shapes the days in which we presently live. We've titled the series that will take us all the way through to New Year's Day, Home is Where Your Heart Is. The right and the proper home of humanity is the future that Isaiah sees. The home of humanity is to dwell once again in the face-to-face presence of God in a completely restored physical world that the Bible calls the new heaven and the new earth in perfect peace with God and with people from every nation under the sun. In our Thanksgiving worship this past week, Jesus said... Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My goal today and the goal of all of the sermons in this series is that by the power of God's Holy Spirit to so inspire 
inspire your godly imaginations with this vision of your future home in the full face-to-face presence of God that your heart will treasure that future so completely that it will shape the way that you are living your life right now. Now, although all the portraits that I could find when I searched the internet for images of Isaiah picture him as an old man, this part of the story, I believe, started when he was young. I want you to step into Isaiah's world, 700 or so B.C., and I want you to imagine him as he rolled out of bed that morning. He had been feeling more and more unsettled. His family was devout in its worship of Yahweh, the one true God of Israel, the Lord God who had been revealed to them so that they might be the light to the nations. His family had grown, had grown prosperous as the economy of, of Israel thrived and Isaiah rubbed elbows in his social circles with some of the elite leaders of the nation. But storm clouds were gathering on the horizon. Oh, the nation had had its ups and downs, times where their faithfulness was like a beacon in the darkness of the ancient world, and times, well, to be honest, times like Isaiah was living in, when the combination of their prosperity and the trouble brewing out there in the world had a few worried, but not most. Most were content to go about their business trying to maintain their lifestyle even if that meant blending their faith in the one true God with a few of the local pagan deities like Baal and the Asherah, the God and goddess of fertility and prosperity that is sex and money. So Isaiah went up to the temple in Jerusalem that day and his whole world was about to be turned upside down because that day, that day Yahweh made himself known to him and Isaiah found himself standing in the very real presence of God surrounded by the fullness of his glory. Now I need you to try, try to imagine this, imagine this room subtly filling with smoke that is ominous and yet thrilling and as you breathe it in your heart fills with wonder and excitement and dread all at the same time as flashes of light that seem to penetrate even the brick and the mortar make them translucent they illuminate the cloud and there above the altar a creature an angel no a pair of angels singing holy 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 lord god of the angel armies lord Lord God of Sabaoth, and the sound of their voices melts your heart. And the ground beneath Isaiah's feet shook, and Isaiah trembled in despair. 
Woe is me, he cried out. I am undone. I am lost. No sinful human being can see God and live to to tell about it. And then the angel touches his lips with a hot coal from the altar and says, Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And then, then the voice of God echoed in the room, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah finds his weak and his faltering voice. Here I am. Send me. And nothing was ever the same after that. Isaiah begins to speak and to write. Having seen firsthand the real presence of God that day in the temple... Now the empty-hearted worship of his neighbors taunts him as he watches them go through the motions of their worship, honoring God with their lips while their hearts are far from him and their hard-hearted treatment of the most vulnerable and the needy in their community brought God's own word to his lips and to his pen. Wash yourself. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the cause of the widow. Come now, let us, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And though they are like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now Isaiah takes those words to heart. He takes to heart what his eyes have seen so that we can take heart in what he saw and find our way back home to God. The people of Judah were at this moment in time surrounded by war as mighty and seemingly invincible Assyria conquers every nation around them and now he is closing in on them too. And if they will not listen to Isaiah's plea to turn back to God with all their hearts and to begin to care for the helpless in their community, then God will use even the violent and the vicious Assyrians and then the Babylonians to get their attention. Encyclopedia Britannica (laughs) described Isaiah's time like this I love this vocabulary he that is Isaiah was also acquainted with the rapacious authors of the prevailing misery promulgators of discriminatory laws venal judges greedy land grabbers fancy women 
thieving and carousing men of means and irresponsible leaders, both civil and religious. In other words, he was intimately aware of the inequities and the evils of human society, which may have been no worse in Israel in his time than many critics believe they are everywhere in modern times. Now with his lips, Isaiah spoke to his own age, and with his pen, he speaks to us. So take a look around. Shootings ravage our nation. Riots destroy property. Hate speech fills our ears. Men and women take sides in a civil war raging barely beneath the surface between those who would call themselves conservatives and others tagged with the title progressive. And each spreads their propaganda in social media and anywhere that they can find receptive ears. All the ingredients of war, short of missiles and tanks, surround us. Look, the words of Isaiah 2, chapter 2, verse 4, may and in fact are emblazoned on the wall across the street from the United Nations building in New York. But even if you could get rid of the weapons of war and somehow pass enough laws to control the practice of war, ever since the fall into sin in the Garden of Eden, humanity has never been able to overcome the mentality of war. So Isaiah peers beyond his time, beyond our time, into the future in order to shape the days of our lives in the present. Jesus, our just judge, has come and is coming again. The mountain of the house of the Lord, it's called Mount Zion. On it, the city of Jerusalem, in the city of Jerusalem, sits the temple where God made his presence powerfully real to the people and most recently to Isaiah. Now for the mountain of the Lord, the house of the Lord, to be raised up and established as the highest of the mountains is the poetic way of saying that a time is coming when the supremacy of the one true God will become known and it will be undeniable by all. Because the only solution to the mess this world is in is for all people to bow before their creator. And that's what Isaiah sees. Look, if you leave human beings to themselves, it is always only a downhill march. But lift up God above all else and all people will be drawn to him like a, a moth to light. 
And a day, the last day, is coming when all of the nations are drawn to the beauty and the splendor of God and to his ways. And that will result in peace once and for all. Isaiah brings that vision of our future in order to shape the way that we live out our days. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. But will it? Will Isaiah's vision of the future shape the way that we live out our days? You see, sometimes I think that we imagine ourselves to somehow have most favored nation status with God. I mean, after all, wasn't our nation founded on the moral principles of Christianity, freedom, and justice for all? And we have presumed that that makes us a Christian nation. But where is Jesus in that? He's what makes us a Christian like Israel of Isaiah's time, prosperity has made us so full of ourselves. Like the people of Babel, we seek to build our own towers of technology that will reach us all the way to the heavens so that we can be our own God. And we imagine that it is impossible for anything to be beyond our grasp. But do you remember that God came down and confused their language and scattered them? Might that be what's happening in our nation? God abandoned nation building at the cross. On the mountain of the Lord in Jerusalem, Jesus was lifted up on the cross. And the weapons of war, the practice of war, and the mentality of war were turned on him and the human race crucified the Lord of glory. But Jesus had already announced, now is the judgment of the world. John chapter 12 verse 36. Our judgment... For all of our warring mentality has been poured out on Jesus at the cross. And then Jesus said, and when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. We sing it in the hymn, lift high the cross. O Lord, once lifted on the glorious tree, as thou hast promised, draw us all to thee. The church is God's united nation. This is the place where we learn to walk in the light of the Lord. That's what we're trying to accomplish by awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ in order to live lives of freedom and joy and sacrifice and renewal so that we can be God's light in this present darkness. Set your hearts on things above, on the things that are yet to come. When Jesus returns again in glory to judge the living and the dead, make that future your treasure. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All your sins are forgiven. You're raised to, to life again today. Advent brings our future into view in order to shape the days in which we live. Gather for worship. Find a spiritual formation group that will challenge you to grow up in your faith. That will hold you accountable. That will encourage you. And now go. Go live your life in your family, with your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, being fully conscious that Jesus is at work in and through you to draw all people to himself and the future that awaits us. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Amen.